Welcome to Late of the Rings, a podcast dedicated to Lord of the Rings the card game. My name's John, and here's my co-host. His name is Brago. He was my cousin's horse. It's Em. <laughs> Hello, John. <laughs> Bit of an obscure one, that one, I'm afraid. Okay, hold on. All right, so... Hi, everybody. <laughs> so, Brago was Aragorn's horse. Yes. Right? Now, that line, I guess... Is that line from the book then no no not, no no it's uh, and actually is it from the film it's from the film because brago i don't remember that. as a horse isn't in the books mm. um i mean aragon does have a horse we've seen it in the artwork but um oh okay so when it's going wild in the stable that's right that's right and somebody says it's eowyn oh it's eowyn it's eowyn's yeah okay yeah of course yeah because it was what's his face is um um, um, Theodred. 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 Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm all over this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Brago, yeah, like he's, he's, because I looked him up because I just recently watched Two Towers. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. Um, and <laughs> um, and I thought, oh, Brago, I don't, is, is that, is that, because, you know, I thought that'll be fine. I'll call him Brago. I thought, I'll just check, you know, how he is in the book. And he's not in the books. Not in the books. It's not, he's an artistic licensed horse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Brago is the name of one of the first kings of Rohan. I'd like to pretend uh, I, I knew this, but I, 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 <laughs> but I found that out when, when I was looking up the horse. <laughs> I learned my Rohirrim history whilst looking up horse names. You see? You see what you learn when you do this. I know two things about Brago, but not from... Story just for I'm. Do you remember in, in the original DVD, unsurpassed package of DVDs, the original one, the the um, theatrical full one. length version, no, the full length version, okay, yeah, which came in those. There was like a a, a green one. Oh a yeah, red yeah, one, in the cardboard, it all folded it, out. Yeah, yeah, folded out into a good sort of two and a half meter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like amazingly packaged up. Yeah. Like much better than any of the... Well, I'm not sure if it's been released anywhere else, but certainly here in the UK, that was definitely the best um, sort of package one, I guess. But in there, they had they had like four discs for each film, and there was a whole bunch, like stacks and stacks and stacks of extras yeah. behind the scenes. So, yeah, there's quite a lot to get through. I watched a bunch of those, and I remember that one about... Uh, you, you know that bit where he where Brago basically saves him from the banks of the river? Yeah, but, uh, but I love that scene because he's dreaming of Arwen kissing him and then there's Brago's face. <laughs> and it's like, hmm, it's a little awkward. <laughs> this has been it's a good dream. <laughs> but sorry, sorry, I interrupted you, but yeah, that's what... <laughs> I, I love, I, I love how they did, did that whole thing, by the way. And she's, it's, it adds to that mystery of, how do you introduce the magic of the elves into the film? And I thought that was done really beautifully, you yeah, know, yeah. through dream and through somehow, yeah, you seem to control water to some extent yeah. through their magic and, and horses, they can speak to horses, all that cool stuff. But that scene, uh, so Viggo Mortensen actually had to train with that. Apparently it was really dangerous. I remember that from the extras. It was a really dangerous move that they had to do. So the horse was lying down and he had to get on the horse Oh, and then the horse yeah. rises up with yeah, him on the back. Yeah. And apparently that was one of the most dangerous stunts in the whole thing. Um, because a horse, when it's down, like all it has to do is kind of just roll over and it's going to 
crushy, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he was very brave and he did it, kind of, kind of nailed it. But it was a really amazing story, which is about, uh, they, oh, there are obviously a lot of horses involved in the filming of that trilogy. And they just summoned all of the horse riders that they could in summoned New Zealand. Summoned them? Yeah, they mustered them. <laughs> yes. I should have said. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, and they had some uh, specialized horse trainers for the horses which were working with the actors. So these horse trainers had to work with, you know, they had a couple of actors, a couple of horses each. Anyway, long story short, there was this, there was this uh, trainer. She was, she was fairly young. I think it's like early 20s, something like that. And she was working with Viggo Mortensen and the horse, which was Brago. And she got really, really attached to Brago. So the horse that was portraying Brago. Yeah. <laughs> Probably in the credits somewhere. <laughs> I should imagine. Um, and anyway, so they got really attached. And, she was, and at the end, they had to sell everything off that they could to you know, recoup as much money as possible. It was a hugely expensive thing to make those films. So they sold off the horses they bought. Mm. Um, so she was completely, you know, beside herself with <laughs> with grief and losing Frego, who's become really close to. And as it turned out, Viggo Mortensen bought the horse and then gave it as a gift to the trainer. And she was, and she's telling the story, and she's in floods of tears as she's telling the story. <laughs> yeah, because do you know why? You know why she was in floods of tears? She lives on a council estate. <laughs> so, it's got a horse in. it's just got a horse You're such a cynic it's unbelievable um my sister i remember watching it with my sister and then my sister said i think i fancy Viggo mortensen even more now <laughs> <laughs> well so so does yeah. brago <laughs> yeah poor brago he was a heartbroken one <laughs> who are you i want to stay with Viggo. no um, anyway, yeah, that's as much as I know about uh, but to about be, To be fair, that's quite a lot. That's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it'd be funny to say that you were my cousin's horse. <laughs> Your cousin in New Zealand. <laughs> oh, God. How uh, are you, John? <laughs> I'm all right, I suppose. <laughs> Um, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, we're recording again, like really on schedule. Not that we have a schedule. Schedule or schedule? What do you say? I think it's meant to be schedule, but I think the uh, Americanisms have crept in enough to call it schedule. Now. I, I, I sometimes just feel more comfortable that way. I, I pick and choose. <laughs> okay. Well, we are on schedule for releasing uh, releasing the podcast. Schedule. I, I, I say schedule. I've just realised. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we are on schedule for releasing the podcast a, a bit more regularly, which is great. Um, but because of that, there hasn't been much time between the last uh, recordings and editing the last podcast. So I haven't really done that much. I've been playing the game quite a lot. I finally finished playing through the Hobbit saga. So both boxes of the Hobbit I played back to back. I'm not going to go into any spoilers because we will at some point hopefully cover the saga series as well. But I enjoyed it. But I'm glad it's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was time-consuming end-to-end, I guess. Yeah, and I just... I'm glad to be back focusing on going through the uh, sort of the main cycles, to be honest. I, I took a little break away from them to do The Hobbit, and 
I'm now very ready to get my teeth back into opening up new adventure packs. I just want to get more player cards, you know. You know <laughs> I want new player cards, and I want I want new adventures. I, I mean, as much as the Hobbit is, it's a very well structured uh, uh, expansion, of course, but it's a story we know. So I just want to see sort of something fresh. So yeah, yeah. And you think you're a bit more constricted there, aren't you? Because you basically got to just play each one after the other. Yeah. it's a level story, whereas you can obviously do that with the cycles, which we're looking at, but you're much more free to go back and do other quests and try different decks with the same quest and all of that jazz. Yeah. That's one of the good things I, I, I really like about the game, actually. You're free to do what you want. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, the thing is, what I like about the game, same as what you just said, is that being able to kind of make up your own sort of weird combinations of characters that go on these adventures. And with The Hobbit, yeah, of course, you're allowed to make up any fellowship of uh, of heroes that go on The Hobbit adventure, but you feel like perhaps you should do it completely thematically. And in fact, I, yeah. think, I think actually the insert in the box suggests that you really shouldn't use characters which weren't born in The Hobbit era and things like that, which I, I kind of do agree with. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but this is not as fulfilling in my mind. But hey, well, look, we are now discussing yeah. the, uh, the we'll Hobbit saga. We'll come to it. We'll come to it. And how about yourself, sir? Have you been up to anything fun? Uh, not an awful lot. As you say, you know, it's only been, uh, I guess, a few days since we released the last episode and recording now. Um, I did. I mentioned that I, I was reading The Sandman. Yes, sir. And I finished that. And so I started reading it again, because <laughs> that's how much I enjoyed it. And it was worth, because there's so much happened, it was worth reading again. And I'm enjoying that again, but that'll be over soon. <laughs> so that's consumed quite a bit of my time. It's not often I'll read something twice, generally. Yeah, uh, I can probably count on the fingers of two hands the amount of books I've read twice. <laughs> how, many hands you, how many hands have you got? Yeah. Well, you should have asked how many fingers I've got. out of <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say both hands. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, anyway, uh, Lord of Rings being one of those exceptions, actually. And I think I might have even read The Hobbit twice, funnily enough. Once as a kid and once as an adult. But apart from yeah, I've been playing a bit as well. So yeah, last few weeks have been great. So I've really been getting back into uh, playing a game, having a bit more time to do that. So it's been... Yeah, it's been great. So yeah, right back in the in the swing of things. Yeah, so what you're basically saying, or what we're both saying here, is that when we're consumed by making a Lord of the Rings card game podcast and playing Lord of the Rings the card game, we haven't got much time to be doing other things <laughs> yeah. which to talk about on our Lord of the Rings card game podcast. Yeah, true. Well, nothing I can remember. It'll probably come to me in about half an hour's time, so I'm sure. <laughs> um, okay, well, 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 with that in mind... Shall we talk some more about Lord of the Rings, the card game? Let's do it. Okay. So, um, as I think everyone knows, we finished off the uh, first cycle with the last episode. So now we're moving into the first deluxe box, which is Khazad-dûm. And we had to decide how we're going to structure these episodes. And it's not a radical departure by any stretch of the imagination. But what we've decided is that we will focus on a Deluxe as a complete set. So we will basically be looking at the deluxe box in a sort of similar way as we looked at the core set. So we'll look at all the player cards that we get 
with the deluxe box and then we'll go through all the quests that come in the deluxe before we move on to the cycle talking about player cards and of course the cycle quests so that's what we've decided uh by the time we get to the next deluxe box that decision might be proven to be the wrong thing to do but uh for now that's what we're going to do and we'll see how it pans out ever onward <laughs> very good <laughs> um, so this episode we are going to look at the player cards that come with that first deluxe box which is Khazad Doom so well for a start may I just say that I was very excited to get this deluxe box because um, when I was first collecting obviously I has got the core set and I managed to get all the APs from the first cycle but Khazad Doom was perpetually out of stock now i know this is something that a lot of our listeners will suffer with is trying to find the stock for playing the game in the order they want to play it in um and it drove me crazy i mean i did buy up other stuff and put it on the shelf but i kind of stopped myself from playing on until i managed to get casa doom and when i got it i was over the moon to get a uh a, a big box but i was actually then completely taken by surprise about how small the big box was <laughs> That's because you had the giant court set, oh, yeah. which we mentioned before. Whereas for me, I think the deluxe box isn't that much smaller than the core set, which I've got. Um, so yeah, it wasn't that surprising. <laughs> not, not that big a shock. Right. Whereas your one, you could actually probably fit a dwarf into the box which the original game came in. Oh, for sure. It's massive. <laughs> um. So yeah, I was over the moon, and uh, but I was actually a little surprised when I first got uh, Casa Doom that there weren't that many new player cards. I was kind of expecting when we got to a deluxe that we'd get a big influx of player cards again, um, a bit like a, a sort of miniature core set. But actually, you only get kind of the same number roughly as you do in an AP. I mean, of course, you get three quests, which is amazing, but not the influx of player cards that I was expecting. But you know, I'm not complaining. We get a whole new set and a couple of heroes and a load of other good stuff in there. So if you're ready, should we jump straight in? Yeah, let's go. Uh, I should say as well, I felt the same too when I opened the uh, Deluxe. I thought there'd be more player cards. But in hindsight, having played a little bit since opening this Deluxe and the subsequent APs, etc., I'm kind of glad that I think they got the number just right, actually. Um because it still feels kind of manageable. I think if there was suddenly, you know, you had two thirds of the number of cards that you got in the core set, it could become really, you know, there'd be loads of cards which you just never get around to using or wouldn't get to know. I mean, I think there's plenty enough to keep you going. <laughs> oh, yeah. In my, in my opinion. So I think they made a good decision there. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, in hindsight, yeah, you would just be overwhelmed. And actually, you could go, well, I only get two new heroes. It's like, yeah, don't worry. You're going to get plenty more. <laughs> yes true. there are a lot of cards coming just take your time <laughs> um okay well then if you're ready let's jump in and should we start with those heroes so we get a, we get a couple of heroes with this deluxe set and they're both dwarfs you'll notice a theme in, in, in kazan tomb uh, do you want to do you want to pick one em sure i'm going to pick the spirit one <laughs> for a change what a surprise. And it's Dwalin. So he's a spirit hero, a dwarf. He has a starting threat cost of nine. Um, he quests for one, hits for two, defends for two, and has 
four hit points. And he has a response. After Dwalin attacks and destroys an orc enemy, lower your threat by two. Oh, this is right up your street. Yeah, it's right up my street. <laughs> and shockingly, I haven't actually used Dwalin a great deal. <laughs> but I was just thinking about, and we'll go into this in the coming weeks, I'm just thinking about a particular quest in Kasad Doom, where this guy's probably going to be really useful, and I probably should have revisited him <laughs> before I set off on that quest. So, uh, so, so, yeah, I haven't used Dwalin. I think I maybe used him in a, a quest or two when I first opened this deluxe box, maybe quite a few months ago, whenever it was. Uh, but I've not revisited him since then, so I'm going. I think I'm going to do that before we record the next um, the next episode. So I think it's, it's suddenly piqued my interest <laughs> well do you know what i think i've also never played him but i mean i'm not as obsessed by spirit as you are but i think do you know why i think it's because spirit is not known for its fighting you know so the fact that his response is after he attacks and destroys an orc lower your threat by two so it seems very conditional you know he has to be involved with the attack i mean of course he i mean he hits for two that's not to be uh sniffed at but you're going to have to pair him up with someone else who can probably do the real damage to take out these these orcs. And the fact that it's only orc enemies that you get to lower your threat, I mean, we'll see this a few more times where there is a condition that, that, that comes into effect when an orc is destroyed or an orc is attacked. And what I found is when I put these guys in my deck, I never seem to draw orcs. <laughs> well... Again, well, that's going to depend on the quest, isn't it? Yeah. So, so it gets immediately you think, obviously, Dwalin is going to be effective if you've got an orc-heavy quest, which you're doing. Uh, just, just to your other point, though, about spirit not being known for fighting. Yeah, I think that's true. But I think when it comes to dwarves, it's a bit different, isn't it? I think um, it's all about how they kind of bounce off each other, isn't it? I think that's a... Yeah something that starts to emerge. Um, so, you know, you're talking about he only quests for one and he's a spirit. Yeah. That's yeah, his, yeah and yeah. His, his worst thing is his willpower and he's a spirit hero. That's, you know, probably unheard of so far in the, <laughs> in the heroes we've seen. But then you think about people like Dane Ironfoot, who was one of the dwarf heroes we saw in the first cycle. Yeah. Who allows other dwarfs, as long as he's ready to have one additional uh, willpower, and suddenly he's sort of boosted up. So, you know, I think there's a lot... Doing the dwarves, and I think this is something we'll, we'll see as we go through this. You really start to see how the cards synergize off each other and how you sort of build up sort of combos. And I'm sure there'll be a whole bunch of combos which you've done, which I would never have thought of. And maybe there's a couple I've done which you haven't come across. You know, I'm sure we'll see that kind of yeah. stuff uh, crop up a fair bit as we go through these. Well, I think actually you raise a very important point, And that very important point is Dane Ironfoot. Now, we spoke about Dane way back when we did the hero cards from the first cycle, and neither of us really played him during that first cycle replay, uh, because Dane's ability is all focused on dwarves, and there aren't that many dwarves available to us in the first cycle. We've got to remember that Dane came out right at the end of that first cycle, almost in preparation for this first deluxe box so i think it might be worth actually quickly revisiting him because he has a massive effect on anyone who's trying to put together their first dwarf deck dane is your cornerstone so 
I don't know. If, I know we're meant to be talking about the new cards, but I wonder if we should just quickly mention him again. Yeah, well, I've got him right here. Shall I? Yeah, read go it for it. Go for it. Okay, so just to recap: so day nine foot, he's a dwarf. He's a leadership hero. He's got a starting cost of eleven. Uh, he only quests for one, but he hits for two, and he's got a shield of three and five hit points. So straight away, you see from there, he's an effective attacker, amazing defender. Yeah. Um, but it's all really all about his ability. So while Dane Ironfoot is ready, dwarf characters gain plus one attack and plus one willpower. So strong. So as long as he's sitting there, yeah. So as long as so the theme, I, I think we, we discussed this when we spoke about Dane. The theme there is really, you know, he's the leader um, telling people what to do. So he's ready. But he's yeah. inspiring everybody else to either quest or fight stronger than they are before. And it's all dwarf characters that affects. I think yeah. you made the point on the previous podcast, you know, if you're playing multiplayer, that's any dwarf character, whether it be hero, ally, and including himself, yeah. um, uh, on the, uh, you know, on, on the table. So, yeah, he becomes, the more dwarfs you have, the more potent that ability is yeah he's insanely powerful and the more choices you have yeah he's insanely powerful um so yeah no it's good that just to quickly recap him because i think there are going to be a lot of cards in this deluxe box that we are going to go well that works well with dane <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so it's good just to remind people that we have this hero from the first uh cycle that i mean highly likely that you haven't played him yet but um, especially if you're playing progressively, because I think Dane came in that last AP. So chances are you went, oh, I've got a dwarf, which affects other dwarfs. Yeah, I don't need him right now. But now you do. So going back to your point, yes, you're absolutely right. So suddenly Dwalin, who hits for two in spirit, is, would then be hitting for three if you had uh, Dane on board and he was ready. So yeah, so if you've got orcs there and he can take out orc enemies with now hitting for three or, or any other ability you know if he's got attachments which make him hit for more etc then he's a potentially great way of keeping your threat down yeah um if you are seeing a lot of orc enemies so yeah i think i'm gonna definitely have a run out with with the this happens whenever we start going through the cards think hold oh, on a minute <laughs> i was gonna imagine i know how i can use this <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know that card you've had in your binder for two years. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, only, a year. Only, a only a year. Only a year for me. Only a year for you, and only about <laughs> five years for me. Um, now, a quick sideline on the artwork here. I know I've done it already. Um, I've got two things to say. Thing one, <laughs> there's some very phallic imagery going on, which is all I'm going to say. So this is how you and I are different. See, I was thinking, I wonder if he's a Christian dwarf. He's cross. He's cross. See, you know, it happens to be a cross shape. But um, you, you and, you know, well, you know. Uh, there you go, listener. We'll leave it up to uh, your own judgment as to uh, you know, yeah. how that reflects on each of us as individuals. So we'll, we'll, we'll brush over that. <laughs> But, but as you wish. But thing two, he's got a touch of the Steve Zissus about him, the life aquatic. It's, I don't know if he's got oh, it's a you, red hat. He's got he's got himself a, a, a woolen red hat underneath he, he has his underneath well. his hood and a beard. But he has. Yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> 
Well, there you go. I'm never looking at Dwal in the same way. <laughs> Played by Bill Murray. Actually, do you know another thing I noticed as well? Next time we have a quick glance at Gimli. Yeah. In front of Corset. Yeah. A quick glance. He has a giraffe standing behind him. Okay, I'll bank okay. that one and I'll look at that next time. Because <laughs> I did a double take yesterday. When I was like, what? I've never spotted that before. But then, then you realise. But when you look at it quickly. Anyway, that's all I'll say on that. <laughs> Um, okay, but I mean, I, I mean, it's a it's a nice piece of artwork. Don't get me wrong, but it's uh, it's Steve Zissou, and what is he up to? Well, there's also a bit of text. Oh, so I found out just this week that flavor text isn't something which you invented. No, I tried to tell which you. Which I this. always thought it was. <laughs> I was just sitting there in, in a. I saw it on Ring's DB. It, was, it actually says one of the fields you can search on. Is flavor text? That's like, ah, oh. either John has influenced the makers of Rings DP, <laughs> or is there it is. Anyway, the text, which I guess you'd describe as flavor text on, on this card, it's a quote from The Hobbit about Dwalin, I assume. And it says, It was a dwarf with a blue beard tucked into a golden belt and very bright eyes under his dark green hood. There's a lot of colours going on there, but there's no mention of a red beanie. (laughs) A little bit of artistic license. But however, does have a blue beard and Life Aquatic, they all wore blue, didn't they? So yeah, there could be a a link soon. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I have to say on that. well, whilst you were mentioning the uh, Rings DB there, I would just like to say congratulations. You have finally put your decks up on Rings DB for our listeners to search. Yes, I have. And apologies for the delay. It was <laughs> something which I kept forgetting to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so if anyone wants to use any of my foolishly cobbled together decks they're up there with, with yours john on the what was what were the details of that how do people find, yeah. find um, it you did have oh, okay you put me on the spot here but you need to go to deck lists and then there's a search option and then when you're there if you go to author name and search late of the rings right that will bring up all our decks um that all one word no all separate words. All separate. Okay. I, I put this in the show notes as well. So if you if you're if you're confused and you really want to see our decks, then that's uh, that's how you find them. Cool. Okay. So well done, you. Okay, that's one card done. Thank you. That's one <laughs> card from the new set, and one from about six episodes ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're motoring along. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's move. Let's, Down to speed. <laughs> so, so let's let's move swiftly on to the other hero that you get in this uh, in this box, and that is a law hero, and it's another dwarf. Um, it's another dwarf, and it is Biffa, and he is a unique hero, and he has a starting threat of seven. Uh, he quests for two, which is more than the spirit hero. Um, he hits for one. He has two defense. And three hit points. And he's a dwarf, and he has this action. Pay one resource from a hero's resource pool to add one resource to Biffa's resource pool. <laughs> How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? <laughs> well done. Oh, do, you know what? do you know what? I don't think I've ever said that before. 
Right. Um, congratulations to you. We keep congratulating each other today. <laughs> really big life goals we're achieving on this podcast. <laughs> um, okay, I'll just say that one more time. So, action. Pay one resource from a hero's resource pool to add one resource to Biffa's resource pool. Any player may trigger this ability. Limit once per round. Give Biffa a resource. Yeah. From another hero. So, gift one gift per round if required. Yeah, from any player. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've never used him. No, me neither. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, you know what? There are, you know, what I will say though, is not specifically talking about Biffa here, but there have been many occasions I've played this game and wish that, you know, there's, you got one hero or set of heroes in the same sphere who's got loads of resource. And it's very annoyingly, there's one hero which doesn't entirely got any. And just, you think, oh, I wish I could just shif- shift some of these across. But I think there is one or two cards that can do that, which we've come across already. But, you know, that might not be a. Yeah, but do you know what I'm thinking? One. What do you think? <laughs> I'm thinking that Dane Ironfoot is a leadership hero, he helps out all dwarves. Leadership is never short of resources. True. <laughs> yeah. You play Biffa with Dane. You get Steward of Gondor on to Dane. He pays for all the leadership cards. And then once per round, you can just pass over a, a resource onto Biffa to help pay for your law cards. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or anyone who's got Steward of Gondor. Yeah, can do that. You could, of course, just give Steward of Gondor to Biffa. Yeah, but then why would you? Because you can, no, you can basically, you? You, you can feed him. You can feed him resources. You can, you can. I mean, well, uh, yeah. I mean, actually, actually, I mean, it doesn't seem that strong. But exactly what you just said. It's a combo. So, so it? many it's, times that you yeah. need those extra resources, but it's not that strong. But he is quite a hardy dwarf, you know, defensive two, and three hit points. You know, he can be a good defender for you, especially if you get like a burning brand or something on him. A good quester. Good quester with Dane. Quester good quester. Free. And what I was going to say was super low starting cost. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you can start nice and low because Dane was um, starting cost of 11, wasn't he? Yes, 11. Yeah, so that's pretty high. So let's say you are playing that sort of Dane Biffer and someone else combo. You know, that's not bad at all. You know, you can really feed Biffa with the resources. You keep your starting cost down and he can be a defender. Yeah, never played him. I love him. (laughs) Well, do you know what I love about him as well? Is great artwork again on this one. Yeah. And you see how he's uh, reading there. And he's got his finger points. Almost like he's, you can imagine him running his finger down like he's looking down the list. Hmm. Can you you see that on on the page? I can. Now, there's a great quote at the bottom here. And Biffa shows his true dwarven wisdom. Mm. And this is also a quote from Hobbit. It says, And winter comes after autumn. Biffa, the Hobbit. Yeah. That's a man of the world, isn't it? <laughs> so I'm imagining him looking at that list and saying, Spring, summer, aut- ah, autumn, winter. <laughs> I see. <laughs> <laughs> these books are fantastic so wise so, so wise. wise you know it's not he's focused you know he's really okay it's fantastic artwork it must be it is oh, look who it is it really is absolutely beautiful it is who is it and and the artist is of course madame villeneuve oh <laughs> she's done it again 
<laughs> oh no, but fantastic. Oh, that's great. Well, that fills me with joy. Um, there you go. <laughs> okay, so those are the two heroes, and <laughs> and we haven't played with either of them. Okay, but that's good because that's what this podcast does. It means that when we start to go through the quests, I think yeah. we will then look at these cards and go, okay, yeah, perhaps we should put these in our decks. And I am certainly keen to play Biffa because I like lore and I like resources. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> um, so those are the heroes and that's uh, one from Spirit and one from Lore. Now, should we just then jump to the other Spirit cards and the other Lore cards? So we'll, we'll basically do those spheres first and then we can jump to Leadership and Tactics, which of course don't come with a hero. So we can sort of group them that way. Is, is that good with you? Yeah, sure, works for me. All right, well, let's let's carry on with spirit then, as that was the first one we did. So we have a couple of other spirit cards. Gentleman's pick. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to just be really selfish and just pick my favourite one of oh, these two. Well, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's your prerogative. <laughs> and I'm going to pick an event, and the event is called "Untroubled by Darkness." Okay, which I kind of like the sound of that already. And it's, uh, it's, it's an event which costs two. And the action is each dwarf character gets plus one willpower until the end of the phase. Plus two instead if the active location is an underground or dark location. Okay. Now, I think we haven't seen locations with the keyword underground or dark until we get to Khazad Doom. But as anyone who knows anything about um, Khazad Doom, will know that there are dark and underground places. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't really have to hit up too many of the appendices to find that out. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, so if you are building a, a dwarf-focused deck to go through the mines, you'll find some underground and dark locations to make this yeah. uh, to make this card really. Work. But actually with even without that effect, plus one until the end of the phase is not to be uh, sniffed at. So again, so think of day nine for you've got plus one willpower for every dwarf character you've got. So if you're questing with five or six characters, if you're playing two player, maybe even more, yeah. you play one of these, you're putting an extra one on every single one that's questing or an extra two if it's one of those locations. So you could be questing for a huge amount, actually. Uh, this could really bump you up using this card. So yeah. I've used this one a fair bit when I've been going through the cycle, but of course we'll come to that. Um, so yeah, a big favourite of mine. You know I love cards that help you quest. So. <laughs> yeah, I do indeed. But th- do you know what I'm going to say? It's like we're, we're really falling into our own traps here. You love You're going to say it's that- too expensive. I'm going to say it's too expensive. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think it's 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 perfectly priced if you get that plus two. Um, but and, and and there are plenty of quests where nearly every location is either underground or dark. So you definitely do get your use out of this. But I think to have it just in a standard dwarf deck, if you happen to be taking them through anywhere which isn't underground or dark, I think it's too expensive. You see, I don't think so. I think if you've got, let's say, six dwarf characters that you want to quest, or four what is it? You've got four. You're going to pay two to get an extra four on your um, progress. I think that's I think that's a fair deal. <laughs> and it's a what's the opposite of the law of diminishing returns? The law of 
Add, add additive, additive, <laughs> additive returns. Add, add, additive, <laughs> additive takeaways. <laughs> well, you just need the opposite of diminishing, expanding, expanding, expanding takeaways. The law mm. of expanding returns. <laughs> but, no, but returns <laughs> it can't be. You said what's the opposite yeah. of diminishing returns? Expanding returns is the opposite of diminishing returns. No, expanding takeaways. <laughs> It's coming. If it's if that's the same as diminishing returns, you've double negatived it. <laughs> okay, okay. This is a discussion for our sister grammar <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, I suppose if you return something, you could also be taking it away, can you? Okay, so if you, what's the opposite? It depends of where be- you're returning it to. Exactly, but returns is return on your investment. I know That's what it, the law of diminishing returns. I know what it actually is. I was just trying to do the trying to do the actual opposite. So okay, so it's the what's the opposite of a law? The chaos yes. of the chaos of of expanding takeaways. Yes. <laughs> it's the chaos of expanding takeaways. Just imagine somebody trying to help deliver all of these takeaways to the houses, but there's just so many of them. It's gonna be really chaotic. This poor guy's trying to load up his car with all of What number is that for? Is that... I, I have an important question. Uh oh. What was your point? So my point was <laughs> that for more dwarves you yes. have questing. Yeah. In effect, the more value this card is. Even if you're just questing for an additional one. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, so if you've got seven dwarves questing so it's an extra seven for just the cost of two do you know what i'm sure there's an actual saying for that anyway rather than trying to think of the opposite yeah i'm sure we're we're, we're just we're just too ignorant to know what it is (laughs) but i'm a fan um even though we're troubled by language but untroubled by darkness i think that's a I think that's a I think that's a cracking card. That's a that's a good one for me. Okay, well I will endeavour to play it more and see if I agree with you or not. But uh, you're not, you're not, you're not I'm not sold yet. I'm not sold yet. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I I'm also not sold by the artwork, not the quality of it. It's outstanding. But what I'm not sold by is he looks troubled. <laughs> this is a troubled looking dwarf. That is not someone confident in the darkness. Or is he? Hmm. Uh, yeah, he does. Yeah, if I was going to look up "untroubled" in the dictionary, and that was the picture, I would, yeah, I, yeah, I think you're right. I wouldn't quite classic picture dictionary. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the best kind of dictionary there is. A pictionary. <laughs> he really reminds me of somebody. Well, it reminds me of someone holding a double bass, but that's, he's holding an axe. But I always think he's like in a dark jazz club. Ah, <laughs> oh, it looks like, he looks like, do you know what he looks like he's doing? Mm-hmm. He's got like a little uh, secret walkie talkie on yeah. the front of his, like an undercover copper. He's just talking into yeah. that. He's infiltrated the dwarves. Yeah. He's a dwarf infiltrator. <laughs> I, I want to remember who he reminds me of. It will come to me. It will come to me, listener. Give, give us an extra couple of hours on this podcast and we'll get there. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. Untroubled by Darkness, not convinced, too expensive. Now, 
I'm going to talk about a card which I love for exactly the same cost. Work that one out, listener. So <laughs> this is a dwarf ally in the spirit sphere. Cost of two. And it's a Zigil Miner. And cost two. And has willpower for one, hits for one, defense of one, one hit point. Um, Pretty well-rounded. Zigil. Zigil? What did I say? Not, not Zigil. 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 Oof. They're not holding a Zigil. <laughs> <laughs> Zigil. I don't know. It's one of those things that, you know, you've only ever read the word. You've never heard it be said. Uh, in my head, it's always Zigil. Well, yeah, well, but... let's go, go with Zigil. Go with Zigil. That's fine. Well, it suits you. not necessarily. It suits you. Uh, but the, <laughs> but the, the thing is, I know we, we talked about before, there are a lot of soft letters in Tolkien's work which are pronounced hard, like the soft C, which would normally be a soft C in English, would be a hard C in Elven. So, uh, Calibor, uh, Calibrian... They, you would normally see those as soft Cs, but in, in Tolkien's work, they're hard Cs. So I wonder if that's the same for the G. Ziggle Minor. Should we go with it? Ziggle Minor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my default position on the G would be a, a, you know, a, a hard G. But that's just me. Honestly, I don't know if I'm right or not. <laughs> this is just how I read it. I'm probably wrong. Don't listen to me. Pro- that's another thing I remember from the... Lord of Rings extras on the films, they actually hired, I think, yeah, no, they hired this guy who was an expert in the languages of Middle Earth, like down to pronunciations and all of this kind of stuff. Um, Do you happen to have his number? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, drop him a quick line. <laughs> well, he was based in the UK, actually, if I recall. So, uh, uh, yeah, so... Uh, there will be people who will know this. I'm sure there are language rules about such things. <laughs> oh, almost certainly. I will make an effort to look it up. But uh, right now, we have to talk about the card. <laughs> so we have to pick one. I'm okay. going with... Uh, Whatever you like the most. Just go with that. I don't know anymore. Okay, Zigil Minor. Oh, no, but now it feels wrong. Ziggle Minor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's a dwarf ally. It's the Zigil Minor. Ziggle Minor. It's a minor. He costs two. He quests for one. He hits for one. Defense one. It's one hit point. Very well rounded. He has an action. It says exhaust. Oh no. Exhaust Zigil Minor and name a number to discard the top two cards of your deck. If at least one of those cards has a cost equal to the named number, choose a hero you control. For each card that matches the name number, add one resource to that hero's resource pool. Okay, that's quite a lot to take in. But essentially, if you exhaust this guy, you can basically say two or three or one. And basically, you're kind of predicting the cost of cards coming off your deck. And you're going to look at the next two. And if one of them equals that cost, you get a resource for that card. Um, and if they both have that cost, you get two resources. Now, I love the theme of this. It's great. I mean, he's he mines through your deck and finds you precious things. <laughs> you know, that's, I think that's glorious. Um, I think you probably shouldn't be using this guy just randomly, just the sort of guessing a number. Um, there are a few cards we have seen already which allow you to look at the top of your deck, I mean, there's Gildor, 
Gildor allows you to look at the top three, swap a card, and then put them back on your deck in any order. If you can do that, and you happen to see two cards at the same cost, go for it. That's that's two extra resources. Uh, of course, you lose the cards, but you know you've got plenty others. Um, so that's a good one. Keen I took, keen I took. <laughs> Suddenly, thought of a use for keen I took. I can't remember what he does. Um, oh, he looks at you. The... You look at the card, and yeah. I can make you discard it. <laughs> That's all I remember. But basically, yeah. you get to look, you get to look at a card. So you could look yeah. at the card, not discard it, and then play Zigil Minor, Zigil Minor, and you could get a resource. Okay. I mean, I I also I mean I like him because he's he's cheap. <laughs> I know. He's the same cost as Untroubled by Darkness, but for an ally, he's cheap and he does a bit of everything. Again, if you boost him with Dane, if you don't need to do his effect, that's great. You know, he's questing for two, he's hitting for two. Yeah, yeah, he's a yeah a decent ally. I mean, if he was just one, 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 one on his stats and with a cost of two with no extra ability, that's still not a bad ally just to, you know, chuck out there, just to help you along, but... I think his downfall as just an ally is actually that one hit point. Yeah, he could because you'd be tempted to quest him, wouldn't you? And or that would probably leave him as a chump blocker, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and as chump blockers go, he's actually a bit expensive because. But if you, uh, but if you got Dane, he's questing for two, yeah. and that's really useful. Yeah, oh yeah, but then one little treachery, and <laughs> you know that could be the end of the. You'll be holding a sigil for sigil. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will look up how to pronounce that for the next card. <laughs> um, but no, I like him a lot. I like him a lot. Uh, but I, like I said, I don't think you should go into it just guessing cards because you have to discard those top two, even if you get it wrong. You know, they, they don't go back to your deck. So uh, you could end up just burning through your deck if you're not careful. So for somebody who has championed through the previous episodes, drawing cards... Yeah. At all costs, seemingly. Uh, now what you're saying is, burn the cards, show me the money. <laughs> so one little glisten of a day. You're basically a dwarf now. You're sort of like, you know, Sigil Miner had some precious stone which you mined and you sort of looked at it with your, and your mouth started to just slowly hang open as you stared longingly at the, <laughs> at the ruby. <laughs> I mean, I do love cards, but I also love resources. You, you, you may have noticed I got, I got quite enamoured by Biffa all of a sudden. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. No, you're, you're right. Though. I think if you can look at the top of the decks, so if you can use Gildor, then yeah, I think then Sigil Miner really comes into its own because you can control it rather than just randomly guess it and potentially just lose a couple of cards which you might need. Well, actually, Gildor's. Golden. Golden Gildor, I call him. <laughs> because because if you just a reminder, Gildor allows you to look at the top three, swap one of those cards out, and then put the three that you now have in your hand back onto the deck in any order. So you can really go, well, I've got this dead card in my hand. Maybe you've got a unique card which you've already played out, so you don't need another one or, what, or anything like that. Something you just don't need that time. You could play Gildor, get the three, swap it for something you actually need, put the dead card back on top, preferably with another card which costs the same, play Zigil Miner, and then get the two resources and get that dead card out of your hand. That's a great move that I, yeah. <laughs> that I don't do. <laughs> but I will from now on. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah so no so those are the uh so those are the spirit uh cards which you get in the set so we'll jump now i think to the law ones so alongside biffa we get a couple more law cards do you want to pick one well why don't you pick the first because you know which one i'm gonna pick if you let left up to me <laughs> well <laughs> um so I'll give you. I'll do the gentlemanly thing. Give you. The, uh, give you the well, no, no, no. Because I'm. I'm just reading through now, and actually, again, a card that I never use, but I'm just suddenly thinking of like a good few uses of him. So that's an ally called the Erebor Record Keeper. Has this come as a surprise to you? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I was always going to pick the other one, and I thought you'd pick the. Airborne record keeper because I think it requires a bit more subtlety to use them well, and you're probably a bit more subtle than I am. <laughs> no, well, the Airborne record keeper is another ally, and he's a dwarf. Uh, cost of one, one willpower, no attack, no defense, and again, only one hit point. So, pretty weak, but pretty cheap. Uh, but it's a, but Airborne record keeper says this. Erebor Record Keeper cannot attack or defend. Well, no, evidently. Stats of naught, naught. He's, he's like the scorer in cricket. He's not taking part. I don't think he's going to Okay, all right. That's one for her. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Apologies, all listeners outside the Commonwealth. <laughs> um, and he has an action. Exhaust Erebor Record Keeper and pay one law resource to choose and ready a dwarf character. Mm-hmm. Now. Okay, I think I know where you're going. I very rarely have played this guy. Uh, and when I have, it's been for like an extra point of questing with mm-hmm. Dane being ready, you know, because he's very cheap. You know, he's a cheap dwarf. And. Like, as you've said a few times, if you can get just lots of dwarfs on your table with Dane as your leadership hero, suddenly, you know, things are coming alive. You're getting a lot of uh, questing power, especially if you used your Untroubled by Darkness, which gave each dwarf character plus one willpower until the end of the phase, or two if it was Underground and Dark. So, yeah, cheap dwarfs, great. Just load up your table with them. But let's look at that ability for a second. I've not played this guy because I've I haven't liked the fact that you have to exhaust him and pay again. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I have just turned into a complete dwarf. <laughs> because it's like, well, I've already paid for him. Why should I pay again for his effect? But actually, let's think this through. Dane, in order to affect all the other dwarfs, has to be ready. Yep. And as you said, he's a brilliant defender. But when he's ready, he adds plus one attack to all the other dwarves. But of course, if you've already defended with him, he's exhausted. So that boost goes. But how about this? How about this? What if you were playing Dane and Biffa? Biffa? Yeah. <laughs> I think we had the same thought. <laughs> <laughs> and you've had to exhaust Dane to defend. And then you just keep Erebor Record Keeper yeah. ready because he can't attack He's or defend. Not doing anything else, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he could have quested, but actually what you want to do is just keep one of them on your table ready. He's cheap, cheap, cheap. Um, 
let's say you can move a resource onto Biffer if he hasn't got any, you spend that one law resource and exhaust Erebor Record Keeper and then ready Dane when you get to your attack of the combat phase. Dane is ready again. He boosts everyone's attack power and the uh, the Erebor Record Keeper's earned his keep, quite literally. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And if you've got... And it only costs one to get him out there. Yeah. And, you know, you can have three of these out, potentially. So I think there are many times in a quest where you would willingly pay a resource to ready somebody. Yeah. I think that's a simple way to look at it. I mean, loads of times you'd say, if only I could ready this guy so I can attack or defend with them, you know, I'd gladly pay a resource. So I think, yeah, I think that ability for just the cost, it only costs one to get him out there. Yeah. So I think paying that extra resource isn't too big a cost, in my in my opinion. I think that actually works really nicely. And yeah, I'm I've completely come around just from this conversation to the error <laughs> <terrible> record keeper. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's just that one cost to get him out. It's just one cost. Just pay one, yeah, get yeah. him on the table. And yeah, and, exactly. and and why wouldn't you anyway? You know. Yeah, exactly. And don't get fooled into using him to quest. I mean, maybe if you can, if you get three of them out, use two of them to quest and keep one ready, so that you can always do that exhaust and pay one to ready a, a hero. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it doesn't even say a hero; it's a dwarf character. Any character, yeah. Most likely, you'll be readying a hero, I imagine. Well, well, to be discussed when we look at the quests. I think I, I can yeah. think of a couple where, where you might want to ready somebody else. Yeah, but let's come to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like him. Yeah, yeah, same here. I'm sold. You've sold me. <laughs> Much more so than the than our friend for minor. <laughs> Who's still pretty good. Yeah, I think all all the cards we looked at so far are, are good. I think you know you can you see the synergies already. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said right at the beginning. I mean, it doesn't take long to see how suddenly we're getting really into a dwarf focused scenario here where the cards really start to work off each other um much more so than we've seen so far oh, yeah we saw it a bit with eagles we saw it a bit with rohan but now suddenly every card from every sphere well we've only looked at two so far but it's bouncing off each other um well i say we've only looked at two dane is in leadership uh, and dane is constantly helping dwarfs from whatever sphere so yeah, yeah. great so so you thought that I thought that you thought you definitely wanted to do the other one. Yes, which was correct. <laughs> so you could have gone first anyway. I could have gone first. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just doing a gentlemanly thing. Okay, very kind. <laughs> okay, so the other lore card is an event, and it costs one, and it's called Ancestral Knowledge. It says, action, exhaust a dwarf character to place two progress tokens on the active location four progress tokens instead if it's an underground or a mountain location. Okay, so just for a cost of one and exhausting a character, that could be any character, um, you know, you can suddenly put, if it's an underground or mountain location, you can put four progress on the active location. Yeah. Uh, now, in my how I've played this one is if you put four on, and let's say you only required two to get through the active location. The extra two still go on the quest card. 
That's how I've been doing it when I've on the odd occasion I've used this card. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> I was expecting it. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> I don't think it is. You don't think so? Exhaust a dwarf character to place two progress tokens on the active location. But anything you don't put on the active location spills over onto the Yeah, no, no, no. Well oh, no, any any progress sp- when you when you when you yeah, have progress tokens. No, but when I do you remember when we way back when we talked about Legolas? And it says on Legolas that when he participates in an attack which destroys an enemy, uh you place two progress on the active current, quest. On the current on quest. the current quest. And the whole point of, of that discussion was that if you have a active location, the progress always goes on the location first before it goes onto the quest. But the yeah. difference there is that that is saying put the tokens on the quest. This is specifically saying put the tokens on the active location. Mm-hmm. It's not saying you quest. It's saying put the tokens on the location. Okay, so in a similar way, for example, if you had... Uh, well, no, I think it's, it's for active location. You're yeah. putting progress on that location. Doesn't the rule state that any progress which goes on the active location over and above what's required to get through it goes on to the quest? Yeah, that would be any sort of... That would be any progress any any like questing progress but this is just saying place two progress tokens on the active location so if you but 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 when we do put progress on the active location yeah because i think we discussed this a couple of weeks ago when you there's that thing about you're putting the tokens on the card that's a separate step so if you're questing normally you've calculated the difference yeah Okay, and then the next step is you physically put the progress tokens on the card. Right, and that's what we're doing here. We're physically putting progress tokens on the card. Yeah. So anything that so at that point isn't the rule that any progress tokens you put on the active location. No, no. See, I I thought you just talked yourself out of it then, because this is like you say, it's just saying put progress tokens on that card. It's not saying you're questing. It's not saying you're doing anything, because what in your world. What would happen then if you played this event and you didn't have a location? And you don't put it anywhere. Yeah. So what's there's the no active location. You've wasted. You've wasted a. Um, well, you've exhausted a character for no reason and wasted a resource. Okay, then. So let's say in that scenario, you have an active location which requires two progress to get through it. Yeah. You have four progress in your hand. Tokens. Yeah. Yep. You put the first two onto that location. At that point, it is immediately explored and leaves. The, and, it, and it leaves to the discard pile. Yeah. You now have two progress tokens. There is now no longer an active location. There is no... there. So therefore, you can no longer put those extra progress tokens onto the active location. Okay. So you're saying that it only works if it says put it on the quest and then that gets overridden if there happens to be an active location. Yeah. yeah. But not the other way around. When you are questing and therefore when you are adding tokens to progress your quest the active location always acts as a buffer yeah um when you have a card which affects directly affects a location 
it is directly affecting a location. I mean, I'm trying to think of some other examples off the top of my no, head. No, I think I, I understand the difference between yeah. those two scenarios. But, um, you know, it's been a couple, good couple of episodes since I've done some inadvertent cheating. So, <laughs> you know, for old time's sake. And uh, hence I asked the question because cause I've played this, I haven't played, I haven't played this card loads. And have, well, haven't had that situation loads mm. where you happen to put more progress than is required. And if it did happen, you'd be talking one, maximum two, probably, yeah. in all likelihood. But um, no, it's good to know what rule is. Okay. For me, this is still a really useful card. Yeah, cost of one, clear I mean, out location, no problem. One, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then if you think, you know, in conjunction with something like Untroubled by Darkness or, you know, any other card which makes you sort of quest more, you know, you can suddenly clear through a lot. Of, at the end of the day, the dwarves on their own aren't particularly strong quest-wise. Mm. Ones and twos generally, sometimes zeros. So I think that card can be really useful in certain quests. Well, how, um, yeah, but, but how about this then? So let's say you have the Erebor Record Keeper on the table and you're keeping him ready because you intend to do that combo we mentioned a minute ago that we're going to defend with Dane and then we're going to ready him with the Erebor Record Keeper. But then no enemies come out. But a nasty location does. So you've still got Erebor Record Keeper ready and now no enemies to deal with. Then you can just, if you travel to that nasty location after you've done your questing, then you exhaust Erebor Record Keeper, you can put the progress tokens on that location and you're, you're ready for the next round without anything in your way. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like yeah. it. I like it really a lot. Really good card. Yeah, it's great. I quite, I, I quite dig the artwork on this one as well. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. It's, it's quite, it's, even though you can't, quite, you can't see his face, but you just get a sense of pride <laughs> from this guy. Don't you think? You know. I, thought, I thought that was his face. <laughs> It's the beard. It's the beard. <laughs> <laughs> Very pretty. Very pretty dwarf. <laughs> um, okay, so those are the lore cards. So now we have three leadership cards and three tactics cards. So no heroes for leadership and tactics. And I think this was one of the things which surprised me when I got the ducks. I was thinking, well, we'll probably get like four new heroes. We'll probably get one from each right. sphere and then a few... Uh, a few player cards. And that's what I was surprised about. It's like, oh, well, only two heroes. But as previously mentioned, it turns out it's really not a problem. But it does mean that they sort of balance what you get with the other spheres by giving you some extra uh, extra player cards. So shall we go? Well, we talked about Dane a lot and he's in leadership. So should we complete the leadership cards here? Yeah. Okay, now okay. I have no idea which ones you like. I know, actually, I know there's one you definitely like. So please just go ahead. Yeah, I like all three of these oh wow okay go for it okay i'll just go from the from the top then so the first one is navi's belt which is a unique attachment and i've gone for this because it's my favorite type it's, it's an item <laughs> i do love an item but you do that's <laughs> <laughs> a cost of two very nice belt just yeah. sits below the uh the uh, the pot belly line yeah below below the, below, <laughs> below the tummy that's uh... yeah. <laughs> Where, 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 as all dads know, that's where you want to be wearing your belt. Yeah, after yeah, after a, a bit of meat off, <laughs> meat off the bone, you've got to adjust old Narvi's belt a bit. Oh. <laughs> Excuse me. And then, oh. hit, yeah, what's, what's he do? He hits his chest, does a little belch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So, yeah, Navi's belt. So it's a leadership attachment. Item, cost of two. Attached to a dwarf hero. Action. Exhaust Navi's belt to give attached hero a leadership, law, tactics, or spirit icon until the end of the phase. So, really, really, really useful. It's like having multiple songs in one attachment. And for the cost of two, you can suddenly play all of these different sphere cards. So you can stock up your deck with cards from different spheres. And it just opens up different abilities you can bring with you on the deck. Plus, um, you know, you're talking about earlier about Biffa's ability, being able to give a resource to Biffa. You can do that once around. You know, with this, you could potentially do that more. Um, Yeah, there's a whole bunch of of uses of this and i found this uh with some of the decks i've constructed with the cards you get in kazad doom and some of the previous dwarf ones this is a real go-to it's almost like a bit of a must-have kind of card in some scenarios uh so you can have you know maybe heroes from just a couple of spheres but you can have cards from all four so yeah this is a a big favorite of mine yeah spell. now i know you like this a lot more than I do. I will come. I mean, I'm not dead against it, but I have a few issues with it. But I'm just going to jump back. You said a second ago with Biffa, if he had this, you could give resource uh, once per round. You said you could potentially do it more. No, no, no. So, so what I meant was obviously with Biffa, you know, let's say if a, a leadership hero had Navi's belt, yeah, and maybe had Steward of Gondor or something like that, and they're getting loads of resources. Biffa, you can give one resource around through his yep. ability, on top of the one he already gets. But obviously, if you want to, if you've got some law cards you want to play, uh, like that, yeah, yeah. So you can play. So let's say if this was on Dane, for example, he's yep. leadership hero, so he can always play leadership and neutral cards. Uh, but then in the in any particular phase, well, only once around, of course, because you have to exhaust Navi's belt to use it. Um, you've got a whole bunch of resource, and you've got a whole bunch of you know, error board record keepers and other mm. <laughs> and other such uh, law cards in your hand, you can play them out, um, for example. So, yeah, I, f- I found this a really powerful tool. Yeah. This. yeah. And, uh, and of course, the reason it says exhaust and then until the end of the phase is there are a few encounter cards and a few player cards that affect specific spheres not necessarily when you're just spending resources. So the yeah, fact that it right. gives those sphere icons to that character, um, it wouldn't go... So most likely you're going to exhaust this during the resource phase so that you can spend those resources on the cards that you want from out of sphere. But then after that phase, that uh, character is no longer marked with that icon. Now, this is where it differs from the songs. Yeah, true. Now, once a song goes on it, that character essentially has those two resource icons and therefore are treated as such as a, like a, a leadership and a law hero for instance um and it, it i like navi's belt for all the reasons you say i dislike navi's belt for a couple of reasons one i think it's slightly too expensive oh my goodness <laughs> Okay, no, but, well, I, but I do. Well, let's talk about that. <laughs> because it costs twice as much, 100% more than a song. <laughs> but does four times as much. Yeah, 
but that only really comes into play. I think it's, it's there are very niche times where you really start to, to, to pepper all the different spheres into a single deck. And most of the time, I, th- I think that a song is enough because you you're, the, the sort of decks you're running, you'll be able to just get the song out for a cost of one um, and then permanently have that resource icon. And I understand what you're saying, that you can pepper your decks with other cards. Like, let's say you're not playing any spirit and you want to have a bit of cancellation in your hand. Oh, actually, that's a good point. So we talked about that you'd probably exhaust Navi's belt during the resource phase to get your well, allies and attachments out. You may want to do it during combat to... Faint? Yes, to play Something faint. Something like that. To, to bring out a test of will or anything which might uh, do any cancellations or anything like that. So indeed, that is... Um, there is a, there is another one as well, another reason. At this stage of where we are in the quests as well, which is, you know, we, we have a bunch of dwarf themed cards at this point but they are spread over all four spheres and neutral yeah um what this allows you to do is at this stage if you had navi's belt on a hero you could use all of the cards that we're talking about uh, today for instance in one deck in fact i'm not sure yeah we, there isn't actually a leadership ally dwarf in this particular deluxe no. um but we do have dwarf allies already in the Corsair and the previous cycle. Yeah. Oh, there's Brock. There's Brock. I've been using Brock. <laughs> you'd be uh, you'd be shocked to hear, John. I will definitely save that for another time. <laughs> don't don't be disappointed in me. I'm not disappointed. You, you got who? Uh, then you got the who, oh, I forget the name. But who's the ally? He's another expensive one. Costs four, but it will do damage. Of of one, t- it will, damages any orc that when he gets played um, for one long long beard orc. Yeah, slayer. Or, that's it. That's it. Yeah. So, like we say, all of these kind of allies sort of bounce off each other. Um, you know, to get lots of dwarves out. And in, in my mind, I like having Narvi's belt because it's just one card that allows you to do all of those. Yes, it does cost twice as much as a song. But if you wanted to do all four, you would need a couple of songs, probably, anyway. And yeah. then it's only one card as well, so you don't have to wait as long, potentially, by by statistics, anyway, to uh, to get it. So, so yeah, I, I understand what you're saying for sure. Well, but, well, yeah, my, well, for my me, other a... issue is its uniqueness. I, I mean... Uh... That's Narvi's belt. It... How many belts does a dwarf need? <laughs> it shouldn't really matter, because, of course, you can exhaust it to play any sphere you want but if you had a couple of songs out which were allowing you to play between spheres and they're always active you can kind of sort of hedge your bets a bit about who's got the song and who's got the resources you don't have to have it all focused on one hero with one belt i mean saying that i played navi's belt a lot (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but there's just <laughs> there's just something about it which bothers me slightly, and I, I can't really put my finger on it. It's I think also too. it can only it's go on cost. a dwarf hero. It's yeah, it could be just the cost, but it it's there seems to be lots of little restrictions. Only a dwarf hero, which is fine right now. Right now it's great because we're doing dwarf stuff. But oh yeah, this is completely dwarf specific. Well, obviously this is obviously, hero, but but but. <laughs> It, what I mean is its use is really catered towards 
the dwarves in that yeah. I think from what we've seen so far, like for example, the Rohan deck was pretty much mainly spirit, yeah. right? And the Eagle one was pretty much maybe even all tactics, but, yeah, but complete almost tactics, all yeah. tactics. Yeah. Whereas the dwarves are really spread across all of the different spheres. So this is just for me, just a way to collectively one card, collectively bring together all of the dwarves, and you've got to have kind of one kind of strong leader guy uh, who's going to wear that belt and tell everyone what to do. <laughs> uh, so his guy is going to have all the re- resource as well. So how I've generally done decks using this is having somebody who's basically mission critical. Yeah. <laughs> so they're going to be the one. Dane. Yeah, probably going to be Dane. <laughs> so, so the one who who looks after the money, Daddy Dane. Yeah. Who's got Navi's belt? Daddy Dane. Yeah. Who's the one not committing to anything? Daddy Dane, because he's yeah. telling everyone what to do. So yeah, so that kind of thing. So, but if he goes down, you're in big bad trouble. <laughs> well, so, that's interesting. Uh, so when yeah. you play Navi's belt, do you just put one in your deck, or do you? Put no, three? I put I put three. I put three. Yeah. Just because you're going to need to get Navi's belt before you can play X amount of cards, yeah. which are in the spheres you don't have heroes for. So yeah, it's really critical to get Navi's belt out quickly and generally what it restricts you to actually is when you get your first six cards in your deck if you don't have navi's belt you're pretty much every time mulligan it yeah. and just hope you get it in the second one and nine times out of, well not nine times out of ten that's not right at all but <laughs> generally speaking if you don't see it in the first flop or the second flop you'll see it soon off the deck yeah, yeah. you'll be unlucky not to see it at some point pretty soon in the game i think yeah but then also that also bothers me. So then for you, you're filling up three slots in your deck with one unique item. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I will. But that's I will the same for the again. songs as well, though. That's the same for the songs. Yeah, and in fact, but, if you're playing two songs, then it's double actually. Yeah, but the then songs you've got, I can then you've got four yeah, chunk I can, cards. I can. I only play one song, and I tend to play the Rivendell Minstrel, and then go digging for it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So okay. Look, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to. Obviously, when I play these dwarf decks, Navi's belt's going in. It's a no-brainer. But I know somewhere along the line, I fell out of love with this belt. Yeah. <laughs> Navi's belt. Yeah, you had a bad experience with Navi's belt, which you can't quite remember what it is. <laughs> I've blocked it. But it's out. stuck. Yeah, it's stuck in it. Yeah. And I haven't had that yet. Maybe no, I'll I've just come gone back through and- everything. <laughs> I've just looked at it, starting top left. All right, cost two. Cost two. All right, next thing across. It's unique. It's unique. <laughs> <laughs> An item. It's an item. And then, and then I've gone down. Yeah, item. Ugh, item. Rubbish. Attached to a dwarf. Just dwarfs. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. got to exhaust it. You've, compl- <laughs> you've prejudged it. Only till the end of the phase. <laughs> yeah. I've basically covered everything, yeah, yeah. hoping that one of them will stick. There's nothing left apart from it. It kind of looks pretty. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. I could be wrong. So we're unanimous on Navi's belt. <laughs> okay. There's two other leadership cards. Um, do you want to pick the next one? Yeah, sure. Well, they're both events. So like you say, there's no um, leadership allies at all in this deluxe box. I'm just going to pick the next one, which is Joran's Song. A nice cost of one. <laughs> and it's a song. You love your songs. I love songs. <laughs> Um, and it has an action and it says choose a dwarf hero that hero gets plus two willpower plus two attack and plus two defense until the end of the round 
That is a great card. I love this card. For a one. cost of one. And, and are you instantly also thinking of the Erebor record keeper here? Well, no, I wasn't, but I'm. I am now. So. I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no, but that is seriously. It's just. Um, but Erebor record keeper. Hang on, wait, wait. Well, just from the point of view that if you want a quest and attack or attack and defend with a particular hero and really utilize a plus two uh, yeah, yeah. on two different fronts, yeah, then you yeah. can use the record keeper to, to, to do that. Yeah, no, of course. No, I was just thinking that the Joran Song only affects heroes, but um, yes, of course. Yeah, if we can find a way to ready a hero uh, because this affects uh, a dwarf hero till the end of the round. So like you say, yeah. uh, I, I'm fully I'm fully, I'm fully with you now. Yeah, you quest with them. They're exhausted, of course. You use the Erebor Record Keeper. You get them ready. Then you can defend with them, attack with them, and they've got that boost. Oh my God, it's so good. It's a long song. It's not a two and a half minute pop tune. It lasts a whole round. It's a prog rock classic <laughs> from Durin. Durin doesn't mess around. This is Tolkien, of course. <laughs> this is this is the classic. Oh, I've started reading the song. Well, I've read a page of it. I'll just turn it. Oh my God, it's two more pages. How many pages does this go on? Okay, I'm moving on. Okay, so... <laughs> I know people who stopped reading Lord of the Rings because they couldn't handle the songs and stroke or the bit where it says thingy, son of, what's his face, son of, blah, 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 son of, blah, blah, blah. And it goes on for pages and pages. (laughs) Literally, sometimes it does. And and, and I always say to him, best thing to do, just skip it. Yeah, if you don't like that. That may be sacrilege to people, but when I read Lord of the Rings, I basically... Try to get the gist of the song, and then I skipped it. And those, when it went through the list of son of son of stuff, it doesn't matter. If I'm interested in this at some point, oh, it's there. I'll come back and look at it. Apologies if that offends everybody. I know there'll be some complete. I know some people will think in a very completist manner. We'll have to read every yeah. word of. But I get that. Absolutely get it. But for me, I, I, I'd, I'd go insane. I think if I tried to read all that, because the first time I came across it, I thought, "Oh my god, you have to remember all of these characters." I mean, you know, it's, I can't remember like fifty people in the list. <laughs> I can't even remember the name of the main characters. <laughs> or, or you're reading about, read, or you're listening to a song, which is about characters from the first age, and you go, "Well, is this going to come up again? <laughs> yeah, do, do I need to know about this? I'm sure it's very beautiful." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The songs I agree. With. I mean, I I did read all the stuff about the son of this and son of that. Um, I don't know if it was beneficial. I mean, some of it sunk in. I mean, yeah, I didn't get not, not, not much, not, <laughs> not much. much. <laughs> um, but no, okay. Duran's song. We like this to go on for a whole round. This is a song we want to listen to. This is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a utility, and it seems strange to be gushing about a utility like this, but it really is really powerful. I don't think and we should use the word utility. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of like because it just made me think of it made me think of the um, the waterworks oh, the electric yeah. electric company. <laughs> no, I thought you were going to say actually. I actually thought you were going to say I don't think we should use the word gushing. <laughs> a gushing utility. <laughs> gushing utility. That's a flooding toilet. That is so wrong. <laughs> uh, no, but it's seriously a useful card. And quick note on the artwork: it's not light through trees. 
it's light into well into Khazad Doom. It's 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 a bit like the shaft of light that's going into Balin's tomb, isn't it? But of course, this is onto a throne. I wonder if it's inspired by one one of the pyramids of Giza, mm. where you have or pyramids generally. I think that was a thing they did for a while, where at a certain point the sun would shine directly into a, yeah. the chamber and light it up. Well, yeah, maybe, but I mean, maybe not. The, I mean, that scene um, where they have the cave troll in in the films, which they have the light shining through onto Balin's tomb. It is Balin's tomb, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that is that is the moment where I think it was what it was seen in uh, one of the first trailers for the Fellowship of the Ring, and it was at that point when I knew. Uh, 100% that everything was going to be all right because it was <laughs> that set design and that chamber looked exactly as it was described by Tolkien. I mean, of course, Tolkien described everything within uh, an inch of its life and they absolutely nailed it there. And I am <laughs> this is process where we get our love of light passing through things. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I already had that, but... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah amazing you know what i didn't even see an advert for lord of rings at all i didn't see a single frame from it or anything advert anything like that until it was released on for home video and then i didn't see it in the cinema the first film and uh yeah i was just like uh you know i'd read the book a few years before you know when I was a teenager, I guess, whatever it was, I don't know. And I was like, yeah, this film ain't be any good. <laughs> I don't bother. And I was at a particular age where I was completely out of, you know, I wasn't looking at newspapers. It was pre-internet, really, um, in mainstream wise. Uh, well, certainly it was for me, being a yeah. bit of a Luddite. I was not an early adopter. I <laughs> <laughs> barely work it now. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I avoided the whole thing. And I thought, okay, fine. My dad really wanted to watch it, I remember. So, okay, forget it. So we watched it together. I thought, this is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> but were you saying that, Andrew? But were you like, oh, oh God, I, I didn't think this was going to be any good. Oh, this is what everyone's been talking about. Yeah. Well, I didn't even know people had been talking about no, it. I just avoided you, the whole thing. Well, do you know what? Because, I mean, I've always been such a Lord of the Rings fan. And me and my friends were so excited for it. We went to... Uh, like a full midnight showing for the fellowship and it was just blew me away but i was so wrapped up in it i just presumed that the whole world was but actually i don't know if they were i don't know if it was until maybe the second film or the home video release like you say so maybe not maybe it wasn't such a an wow. instant world-changing film as i remember I think, I think it was an extremely popular story i think we forget in like the generations before us it was huge, you know. Yeah. Um, but at that point, do do not use me as a barometer for that because <laughs> I remember going. I remember. <laughs> I remember for the millennium. I went to a house party, and stayed there overnight. And uh, the next day, just chilling out, I was looking through the, the person there's DVD collection. And I pulled one out. I said, "Oh, what's this?" And he said to me. You've never heard of the Matrix. <laughs> so I said, I said, no. What is it? He said, You've never heard it's, it's a film everyone's been talking about this for the last 
like nine months. <laughs> like, where have you been? It's just come out. I was like, I've never heard of it. I said, right, we're watching it now. And we put it on. And it blew me off. Oh, this is brilliant. <laughs> and that's how far removed I was from what was going on in the culture at that point. I was completely detached from it. So, yeah, and that was kind of spilled over into around the time the Fellowship came out, which was, yeah. what, 2000 and... 2000? 2001? 2001, 2002, yeah, something like that. Yeah, Something like that, yeah. So, yeah, so don't, don't use... I was, I was clueless. And <laughs> to, be, to be fair, you can't even remember what you had for breakfast today. Or second breakfast. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we digress, unlike us. So we have <laughs> one more leadership card. Oh, and by, but I should just say on Durin's song, there is a verse of what is probably Durin's song on the card. Oh. It's four lines. That's probably about, what, 1% of the song from the, yeah. From the back? But yeah, I'm not yeah. going to read that. No, no, no. Okay. no. <laughs> right. The last card. So, ever onward. <laughs> yes. Okay, and the last card is ever onward. <laughs> it's an event. <laughs> and it costs three. Ah! <laughs> All right. God, I should have warned you. I'm sorry. Are you okay? No. Bear, bear with, bear with me. On you. It's fine. Okay. Very simple. Response. After player's quest unsuccessfully, choose a player. That player does not raise his threat. Now that is a fantastic card. No. It is a fantastic <laughs> card. And I shall tell you for why. Tell me. I've, do you know when I've used this card? It hasn't been, oh God, I've quested unsuccessfully and threat's going to go off a bit. Oh, I better spend free resources not to bump up my threat a little bit. No, I've used this to plan not to quest at all on a go. So if you're on a quest where you've suddenly got a bunch of enemies and you really don't want to quest anybody and you just want to have a, a round of fighting... <laughs> <laughs> essentially um so you're gonna just let whatever havoc goes on in the staging area of that particular go doesn't matter if you lose by one if you lose by seven whatever it is you quest unsuccessfully you play this you don't your threat doesn't go up and then you can use all of your characters for attacking and defending um this card has saved my bacon on a couple of occasions um so i and it's not it's not limited to dwarfs either. It should be noted. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I really like this card. Well, do you know what? As what? you started talking there, saying, "Do you know when I've used this card?" The penny dropped hard. <laughs> <laughs> you, were you thinking of it more of like a cancellation card? Yeah, I was just thing. thinking, I'm not paying three because I don't quest unsuccessfully. Who do you take me for? <laughs> and then you said, "Do you know when I play this?" And, I and went, he said, yes, yes, I do. And, the, and then I looked at it, <laughs> and I read it, and I understood. <laughs> <laughs> so thank yeah. you. No, because actually, you. genuinely, that has changed my mind about this card. Because yeah. my initial thought was, I don't quest unsuccessfully. I'm not paying three to stop my threat from going up. But yeah. no, I'm in. Yeah, that's why it costs three. It's basically, don't quest this guy. It's amazing. You've still, got to, you've still got to take one off your counter. Now, this is a great card for one player. Yeah. Fantastic. Obviously, yeah. bear in mind, if you're playing multiplayer, um, 
it says it does say after players quest unsuccessfully choose a player that player does not raise his threat so the other player or players would yeah. have to raise their threat so if you're playing multiplayer bear that in mind it might not be such as good a card as it is in one player but in one player that can be just a real get out of trouble kind of card oh that's it's amazing yeah <laughs> So, so just just as I sold you on the Erebor Record Keeper, you have yep. sold me on Ever Onward. I mean, that's that's. that's, that's I mean, there you go. There you go. There you go. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> I wonder if, and then and then everyone listening is like, yeah, we knew yeah. all this about yeah. these cards already. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is a very stoic looking dwarf on this card he is he doesn't look very dwarven but actually i mean we know he is a dwarf he's got a dwarven axe there um and he obviously is a dwarf but as you say this event is not limited to dwarfs so perhaps that's why they gave him a little bit of a look that he could just be a beefy hero as well a little bit of a viking about him isn't he yeah yeah but he's a dwarf definitely or her (laughs) it's It's the beard (laughs) (laughs) um okay moving ever onward um, if a joke's worth doing, it's worth doing twice, I say. <laughs> I think that's three times. <laughs> Never mind. Ever onward. Okay. Um, On to the tactics sphere. We have an ally attachment and an event. That's nice. So I'm going to jump to the attachment. <laughs> that was nice. You've got this nice warm glow about you ever since you... That Ever Onward card is kind of, you know... Yeah, no, 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 I'm done, I'm done. (laughs) Um, No, I'm going to go to the attachment because, uh, you know, you can't have all the items. Okay. (laughs) So this is the Dwaradoff Axe. It's an item and it's a weapon and it costs one. Attached to a dwarf character, restricted. Attached character gets plus one attack and has a response. After attached character attacks, deal one damage to the defending enemy. Now, I think this That's is fantastic. Yeah. This um, Because obviously the plus one attack is great regardless. And, but then to get a direct damage effect after the attack as well, you know, bypassing any, uh, any defense, you know, you can really, uh, really turn some dwarfs into some killing machines. And what was the um, other axe, the axe that we had in the core set the dwarven axe dwarven axe now what was that effect so that gives you plus one attack if you attach it to a dwarf character plus two ah okay i think that's it yeah in fact it's right i've got one right here actually yeah that's uh yeah it costs two it's an it costs two as well bear in mind yeah it's It's an item weapon uh attached to a hero only to a hero as well yeah Restricted, and it says attach hero gains plus one attack plus two instead if attach hero is a dwarf. Yeah, Dwarf Axe just destroys that. I think where you're guaranteed, even if they got shield of ten, you're guaranteed to get one damage on them. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, it's great. It's it's half the price, double the discount. Half the price. (laughs) Okay. All right. <laughs> no, I mean no. Half the price, double the value is what I should be saying. But it's yeah. really, I think it's, uh, I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this... And of course, it's restricted, so you can only have uh, two restricted attachments on any one hero. Of course, but let's say you put two of these on one dwarf. Oh boy. Oh yeah. That's two extra attack plus anything that Dane's given you. 
plus then two direct damage afterwards, you're a troll killer. I've got to say, if I've got a very fighty dwarf deck, yeah. I'll often have three of these and three dwarven axe in the in the deck, <laughs> and just spread them around. You know, whatever comes out, pop them on a hero or or an ally. Oh well, that's interesting know. actually. The Dryadelf axe can go on any character, and the, exactly, and yeah. the dwarven axe is only on heroes. Only yeah. on a hero, yeah. 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 So it's worth bearing that in mind as well. Because sometimes it's good to give these to a character or two. Well, yeah. Well, up, actually, know? that leads us nicely on to the ally then that you get in with the tactics uh, tactics cards here. Do you want to grab him? Well, thank you so much for... Uh, <laughs> let's give us a bash. I've never tried to say this out loud before. <laughs> See how I skillfully moved him onto you. It's the veteran of Nandahurian. Very good. Oh, that's not bad. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping that. I'm not going to try to get. Yeah, it. no, 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 no. That's it. <laughs> now, as this long, guy. As, as long as it doesn't mention it anywhere else, you're golden. Oh my golly goodness! <laughs> All right, he's a dwarf. <laughs> he's a warrior, and he costs four, so he's expensive. Yeah. Quests for naught. Mm-hmm. Attacks for three, so pretty yeah. hardy guy. Defense for two and three hit points. Yeah, he's tough. He is tough. A proper hardened veteran. Yeah. Uh, veteran of Nandahirian enters play with one damage on it. 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 The dwarf's it's now. I wonder, they must be talking about the card rather than the character. Must be. But although it's the beards. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Gollum and dwarves. <laughs> Who knows? Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, worth bearing in mind that so it does enter with a damage. There are certain cards which we, we we've seen before which can remove damage, etc. But worth bearing that in mind. But still got two shield, so still a pretty decent defender, but an excellent attacker. Incredible. So hitting for free. So imagine, for example. One of these guys, with Dane boosting him up for one, with a Dwarf axe on him, you know, suddenly he's hitting for five and giving a, an extra damage every time he attacks. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's pretty fearsome yeah. ally to have at your disposal. I think he's great. I mean, especially, yeah. I mean, he's got that, if, if you are using him to defend for whatever reason, that two defense, even with that one hit already on him, if you haven't managed to heal him, He's still going to survive for you. He is costly. You know, he is expensive. But, uh, yeah, I think he's really good. Yeah, same here. Yeah, he's a stalwart. Yeah, he's... If any kind of fighty kind of quest with dwarves, he's he's going in. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you there. Um, Okay. So, we have one more tactics card. And it's an event. And it's... Kazad! Kazad! (laughs) (laughs) Is that because of the exclamation mark? There's an exclamation mark of <laughs> each word, and there's an accent over the A, the second A of each uh, of each word. So I'm going with Kazad, Kazad. <laughs> I think you're correct. <laughs> it's a cost of naught. Um, it's an event, and it has an action. It says, choose a dwarf character. Until the end of the phase, that character gets plus three attack. For a cost 
of note. It's, yeah, three in every dwarf deck, without a shadow of a doubt. Well, as long as you've got the ability to pay for tactics, of course. Um, yeah, so just jumping back to the uh, veteran of uh, Nandahirian there. Um, he's hitting for three. Maybe he's got a Drowardelf Axe on him. He's hitting for four. Maybe Dane is ready. He's hitting for five. You play Kazad, Kazad! Um, all of a sudden, he's hitting for eight. Yeah, brutal. Plus an extra damage that bypasses defense because of the Drowardelf Axe. I mean, this is all uh, <laughs> in my mind, but you can see the potential here just with those three cards. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. And like I said, for the um, veteran of Nandahirian, Again, this is if any kind of fighty, well, even if it's not particularly fighty, but if you've got a tactics hero or a Navi's belt or a song, whatever, yeah, I'd suggest putting three of these in anyway because they can get you out of a very tight spot if you need to. And then you can potentially get one guy to take out a really nasty enemy. Yeah, but then again, you can really see how these cards can work together. So before you know it, you you've got some incredible attacking strength in your deck. Yeah. yeah. Great stuff. So that is all of the cards which fall into spheres, but we do have one little bonus extra neutral card. I like this one. Okay. Because it also has a cost of naught. Mm. <laughs> it's an attachment and it's for boots from Erebor. Item. Yeah. It's items, strictly speaking, a pair of items. Um, well, no, it's a. Mm. It's an item. It's <laughs> yeah. a pair of boots, which is an item. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, what does this do? Attached to a dwarf or a hobbit character, so they don't come in adult sizes. No. Actually, no. Hobbits have big feet, don't they? Yeah. Dwarfs must have big feet too, then. Yeah, but also uh, hobbits famously don't wear boots. That's true. Yeah. But they can do if they wish. Why would they want to do that? I'll tell you why. <laughs> attached to a dwarf or a hobbit character limit one boots from Erebor per character attached character gets plus one hit point so for no cost at all you can get an extra hit point on a character this is in my well it's useful anyway to have an extra hit point the guys i tend to use this with are dane yep. who i tend to, as i described earlier need to kind of keep alive another one this is really useful for is gimli so these aren't restricted. So if you did want a Citadel plate on Gimli or whatever, you could also, you know, bung one of these on him as well. Yeah. And that's an extra hit point he can get, which will give him an extra attack, of course. Um, so yeah, they're freebies. It, it all comes down to, do you, in my mind, do you want to have those extra cards in your deck or do you want to exactly. keep them Exactly. Yeah. They do fill up your deck and that, that was going to be my point. And like I say, they're not restricted, which is good because of course you've still got your two hands. But I do like the fact that they do say it's limit one one boots available per character. You can't squeeze a second pair of boots on. <laughs> Just put them on your hands. <laughs> Come on in. Or, or can I get another pair of boots, but maybe in a larger size? <laughs> <laughs> or hang them around your neck. Okay. Try getting through that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a cost of naught. It's one extra hit point. I mean, I mean, my biggest problem with it is exactly what you just said. It does fill up your deck where you may not need just that one extra hit point. I actually for dwarfs, it's you're right. Gimli is a good shout actually for where it could be useful. I also find it's quite useful to put onto a hobbit. You know, if you if you happen yeah. to have uh, yeah. 
Bilbo, you can turn Bilbo into quite a handy defender if you wanted to. Um, or any Hobbit, because they don't tend to have a lot of hit points anyway. Yeah, yeah so you're thinking put it on the keen I took. <laughs> yeah, naturally. Well, it depends where he's from. So you said that Hobbits don't wear boots. And that's generally, I think, mm-hmm. what we believe. Just to read something from the card here. What it says, it says, the Hobbits of that quarter, the East Farthing, oh, yeah. were rather large and heavy-legged, and they wore dwarf boots in muddy weather from the Fellowship of the Ring. So the oh, East Farthing Hobbits... Who, who are a bit heavy-legged, let's be honest. They're a bit heavy-legged yeah. <laughs> and a bit large. <laughs> so they, they they do wear boots, apparently. So there you go. But only in muddy weather. Only, only in muddy weather, of course. Yeah. Yeah. How's the weather today? Muddy. Muddy. <laughs> Can you imagine? You know, the, the forecasts, and they got a like, little thing, you know, like pictures of the sun. They just have pictures of mud. There is. <laughs> There's a... There's a muddy front coming in. Are you, are you, <laughs> Westerly. Are you, are you heading out? You better better take your boots. It's going to be muddy later. <laughs> yeah. That could actually be true. In that some could places. be true. Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, people listening to this thing, I wonder if they live in in the country or the city. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but uh, um, yeah, boots very bought. Bit of a winner for me. I mean, it's a flexible one. Doesn't cost anything. Like I said, if you can have it in your deck and you've got hobbits or dwarves why not if you don't want to use up the space then don't bother yeah. simple as that yeah I, I i agree i agree it's definitely not a must-have for me but it's if you've got the space sure put it in yeah. um all right well that's all the player cards and i think it's a pretty decent bunch actually and it's like you said right at the beginning of the podcast it really shows how these dwarf cards are going to start to work together i mean this is this is just like a taste of things to come when it comes to building um dwarf decks and yeah i mean if you don't like dwarfs then you you, you bang out of luck because it's really it's really is completely dwarf centric but i think you really start to have a lot of fun with these guys especially when you first see them because it's the first time you really can get a lot of synergy between the cards and uh, and it doesn't take much to uh, put these together and start seeing how they play together. You can really start building some powerful decks quite quickly. Yeah, yep, totally. Yeah, I've, yeah. Dwarfs are just fun. I think it's my experience of them so far. And yeah, I think just look as ever learning more about the cards just by discussing them and seeing how you've used certain ones. Um, yeah, definitely try out the ones we haven't tried out too much so yeah. far in the coming weeks when we go over the quests in Kazadum. yeah great no oh, I mean, weirdly the one i'm most excited about is ever onward <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> um okay so those are all the cards that we get in the deluxe set and as you mentioned we are now going to move into uh going through the quests so we get three quests with each deluxe box so we'll go so the next three episodes will all be uh quest episodes but for the remainder of this episode, we are going to do some of our regular bits of the show. Um, unless you have more to say about the uh, the cards? No, no, I think I've yeah, I think we covered it all. Okay, so it is time that we did our fact of the week. It seems like ages ago since it we did does, our fact yeah. of the week. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 
the fact this week goes like this. It says, question, in what order is players, in what order is players? <laughs> God, read it as it's written. Okay, question, in what order is players optional engagement handled? In what order? That makes sense. Players optional engagement being one thing. Ah, uh, in what order is players optional engagement handled? Yeah, well, yes, good emphasis. <laughs> um, and the answer is the first player has the first opportunity to optionally engage an enemy or pass. After that, each player moving clockwise has the option to engage one enemy. Once each player has had this opportunity, this step is complete. Okay, yeah. So basically, when it comes to optional engagement, the first player chooses first. And I think this is only a fact for it's basically stopping people from completely manipulating who gets engaged with who. It's really important to bear in mind, though, if you are playing multiplayer, because I think you and I have come a cropper off this a couple of times, haven't we? Yeah. Said, oh, hold on. I, I was, we planned I was going to engage that one, but I can't because yeah you've got to engage it on first and yeah, you know yeah. yeah it can be a bit um be a bit tricky if you've got if you've got multiple if you've got more than a couple of enemies out it gets a bit tricky so yeah you have to sort of start thinking okay well actually i will not optionally engage then so therefore yeah. you get the chance to optionally engage yeah. the one that we planned for and then that one will come to me automatically yeah, I yeah. Mean, it is useful to know for sure that is yeah. that that's the order Okay, well, then moving on, it's time for our Share the Love segment where we take a look at some other online resources out there and let you know about them in case you haven't heard of them. And this week, I want to just briefly mention a YouTube channel. Now, this is not specifically Lord of the Rings based, but I love it. And this is the Tolarian Community College. Now, people will know that name if they happen to be Magic the Gathering fans. Now, I don't play Magic the Gathering. I've got nothing against it. I just never play it. And the vast majority of this YouTube channel is about Magic the Gathering. And it is run by a guy who is simply known as The Professor. Now, I love watching this guy. This guy has a lot of character. He's brilliant on screen. And if you like Magic the Gathering, go to his channel and watch everything. Although you probably already do. But why I recommend it for our listeners is every few episodes, he will do a feature on sleeves and storage and boxes and playmat tubes. And he goes through all products and he thoroughly reviews them and he gives very, very honest opinions about everything that he tests. And it's very entertaining. Like I say, he has bags of character. Um I think it, as your collection grows, you will very quickly realise that you need to find a way to store all of your cards. And this is a very good place to start to find the products which you think are right for you. And at the same time, be, uh, be thoroughly entertained by them. So that's my, that's my uh, tip. So that's my... So that's... I don't think I've seen this guy before. No, so, uh, I, do you know what? I think you may have shown me one clip from this guy ages ago. And I totally forgot it, it existed. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely check out the, uh, the channel. 
Yeah, I mean, like I say, I mean, you, the vast majority of it is about Magic the Gathering. But if you are in the market for some binders or some sleeves and you're not too sure which way you should be going, then just search for it on YouTube and then uh, just enjoy yourself for 15 minutes in this guy's company. And what was it called again? The Tele... Oh, no, you're talking... <laughs> The, 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 the totalitarian the, community the to, tolar, tolarian community college i'm guessing tolarian must be something to do with magic the gathering ah, okay right <laughs> i thought of some weird like tolkienarian kind of play on words but obvi- obviously not if it's no thanks some magic I'll, I'll put it as, as ever i'll put a link to it in the show notes but uh there you go um yeah so that's my uh, recommendation for this week um and actually that pretty much wraps up this episode unless you have anything else you want to add uh no i don't think so that's great well okay so as we mentioned several times (laughs) from this point onwards we'll be going into uh three quests in a row as we go through the mines of moria in kazadum so we'll go off and play through those but in the meantime, if you do want to get in touch with us, there are a few ways you can contact us. You can contact us directly via email, which is, um, what is it? Lord of Rings. At oh, no, no, not Lord of Rings. No. No, not Lord of Rings. Yeah, Lord of Rings at Tolkien.com. Um, you can contact us directly uh, via email, which is, uh, which is laytothrings at gmail.com. You can contact us via Twitter, which is at Later the Rings and and board <laughs> game week. geek thread, and there is and there is and there is the board game geek. Hmm. I, I, what episode are we on? I finally learnt it. I finally. And there is the board game geek thread, which, as ever, there will be a link to in the show notes. Hooray! <laughs> so, with that. All it leaves me to say is thanks once again for listening. And until next time, take care out there and goodbye. Goodbye.